This is How to Read. I'm Milan. And I'm Olivia, the producer of this episode. Today we're talking with Randall Ang, a composer of opera and music theater who also teaches music composition. This episode is about musical storytelling with repurposed texts. Music can tell stories in a variety of ways. Operas and musicals have characters and plots, a song can tell a short story, and even music without words can take listeners on a journey. But Randall Ang is interested in using unexpected texts, like photocopier manuals and legal pamphlets, to produce musical compositions that tell new stories. By cutting up and rearranging these existing texts, also known as found text, he wants to repurpose the original words to transform their meanings and convey new messages. Randall Eng, welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. So we are going to talk about how music tells stories. Um, and you're a composer of music. Um, I think you also teach composing. Um, and so, yeah, I'm curious uh, to hear a bit more about that and about, you know, some of the ways that you've used words in your composition um, and how that contributes to the story that that music tells. I'm primarily an opera composer. Um, the bulk of my work so far has been kind of long form storytelling with characters in specific kinds of situations. Um, uh, so, and that's always in collaboration with librettists. So that's like, what's sorry, what's a librettist? A librettist is the person that writes the text uh, for a musical or opera. Um, so I'm responsible for the notes and the librettist is responsible for the words. Um, so, um, but I have, have also been working, um, with some pieces that are less clearly narrative to begin, um, some settings of found texts, uh, and found text just means something that is, um, not written to be set, um, but not written to be set to music. Yeah. Or, or really to be kind of construed as something that is, um, like a a self-contained, like artistic statement of some sort. Um, so not like a poem, but like, you know, uh, 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 an instruction manual or something like that. Um, so, uh, and I've been really interested in, in working with that kind of material as well and turning them into things that have a uh, narrative. Mm. So can you give me an example of a composition that is using these kind of these found materials, these found words? Sure. Um, uh, well, I'll tell you about one piece that I wrote and then maybe I'll go into a second one. Um, so um, uh, my librettist, Donna DiNovelli, and I um, wrote a piece that was based on an instruction manual from a Xerox machine. We came up with this idea of doing something about um, duplication. Um, and, like a Xerox machine is built to do? Yes. Um, and uh, I mean, the text was fantastic. It was, you know, um, one dash one, one dash two, two sided, uh, originals must be imaged. Um, I'm trying to remember what else was in there. Face up feed. Uh, this sounds like. So very technical manual. Yeah. That yeah. kind of language. 
the level of excitement you're hearing in my voice is probably not shared by your listeners right now because they um, are like, that doesn't sound like that, that narrative. It doesn't but, sound like the most promising material, but I'm excited to hear what you and your, your, um, co- your collaborator did with it. Sure. I mean, it's about transformation. Right. Mm. Um, so it ended up as the basis for this piece that we're now writing, um, which is about the Gemini twins, Castor and Pollux, and their okay. half sisters, Clytemnestra and Helen of Troy. And so this thing has turned into this big kind of um, opera Greek mythological thing. About Wait, so what's the connection between the, the Greek mythology and the photocopier? Well, I mean, the, the, the twinsness of it. Right. Okay, uh, like double, doubles, twins, yeah. doubles, duplication. Okay, okay. Yeah, and there's like mirror imaging happening as well that was in this uh, instruction manual. Um, so, and that piece we is no longer in the opera. Um, but that's an example of, of like taking some uh, text that excited us because of what it brought out thematically and then arranging it in such a way that um, we uh, turned it into something that felt narrative so can can we listen to a bit of the final opera sure. that, that was inspired by this photocopy yeah. manual i resemble my mother Unlike the others, I was born with an apron tied around my neck to the tune of love. Yeah, so I'm hearing, I'm hearing resemblance. I resemble my mother, um, kind of doubling parallels and contrasts. Um, but now it's in the context of, of family relationships, um, so I can I can see how it's how it came from um, a photocopier manual. But I would never have known if you hadn't told me. It's it's really been transformed. Yes, it's, it's um, a long way. So, and then another piece that um, uh, I did on my own um, that deals with found text as well is this choral piece called Remain. Um, which t- is a setting of a pamphlet, a Know Your Rights pamphlet um, that the Museum of Chinese in America created uh, for um, uh, recent immigrants, um, what to do if stopped by an ICE officer, an Immigration of Customs Enforcement officer. So, so a pamphlet telling people like the rights that they have if they're stopped by a, an immigration officer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so that is the, the text of that is largely things like you have the right to remain silent. Um, if approached at home, do this, these things. If approached on the street, do these things. Um, and um, so it's so, a really so yeah. Again, not necessarily the most um, uh, promising for like a story. Like it sounds like it's really just like factual, giving you information about your rights. Like it's yeah, yeah. Um, that was a really interesting piece for me to write because um, I the the pamphlet itself is a like it's a really concrete activist piece uh, document. It's like here is how to help you, um, but how do I turn this into something that is narratively um, uh, has a point of view that's that is um, more than just the advice. 
So some of the things I did was like I took the two soloists and I sometimes treated them as characters. Um, so I had like one of them give the advice and the other person kind of being the person who is taking the advice at various moments. Um, but a lot of my interest was in manipulating the text to say something that was more personal to me. Um, and, and what, what was that? This was a couple of years ago as like the kind of, um, uh, the behavior of, of ice was becoming clearer uh in the trump years um and uh you know immigrants were being really kind of scapegoated um and i wanted to like um embrace uh the values of of bringing people into the country so the piece is called remain the the kind of key to the piece for me was the line um you have the right if approached by ice you have the right to remain silent um which i um, realized I could truncate down to you have the right to remain and then just to remain. Uh, so the piece ends with just remain, 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 remain. And it becomes this like, it's both an embrace, but also kind of, it has some toughness to it, I think, to to say like, you know, you belong here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I can see that you took this text that kind of in its original pamphlet, it was, you know, this sort of like legal statement about people's rights. And you made it into this message of like, welcome, right? Like you have the right to remain, but also just that word remain. It sounds to me almost like a kind of like, not a command, but like, you know, please remain or something. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's another line in the in the text. Let me see if I can find it. Um, oh, yeah. If approached at home, do not open the door. ICE officers must have a warrant signed by a judge to enter your home. So I set that at, uh, the way it reads uh, for a while, but I also broke that apart, that the end of it, uh, the your home part of it, um, and turned that part into something that sounds like it's your home, Y-O-U apostrophe R-E, home. And um, that's the other kind of, um, it's like a, a section of the piece that feels a little bit like a warm bath, or at least that's what I was trying to do, where it's like this welcoming kind of idea of, of staying your, it's, it's um, so it's all using text that's yeah, already so in Yeah, so remain your, and your home yeah. become these messages of like welcome and like warm bath, like, you know, trying to give this feeling of like being comfortable but coming out of this context that is all about like, you know, people being scapegoated and harassed by these authorities. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm really getting this sense of sort of how music and the kind of the, you know, the musicality, the composition can really take these existing words, but um, really kind of, yeah, creates a new story out of them. Yeah. Um, so is there a section of this um, of this piece that you can play us? Sure. I'll play a section from early on in the piece where we first get this idea of uh, you have the right to remain silent, turning into remain. Nice.
Uh, the idea there is to go from you have the right to do this to um, something that's closer to please do this. Um, so, and that's why the music takes on this slightly, like it's got a little slightly like martial feel to it with the, with the drums underneath um, right after. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit. Remain. A little bit military or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it kind of it's supposed to like make you feel like, all right, let's take action here, and then the soloists go into um, this kind of back and forth where the uh, one of them is telling them, uh, "You can tell an officer," and then the other one is, is becomes the role of that person. So he says that you want to speak with the lawyer, and then she kind of says, "I want to speak with a lawyer" in a way that really is kind of like. Um, it's meant to feel like she has been in, she's been empowered um, and is really kind of like standing up forcefully. But by the end of that section, then it goes into a, a kind of much more troubled place as the chorus comes back in. And it's like br- bridging those two things of, of um, you know, stand up for yourself. Uh, but um, we understand that it's, not easy to do that and the forces aligned against you are significant um but so it's trying to like you know say all those things at the same time just within like what is this very dry pamphlet um yeah i love that that you yeah you found within that very dry pamphlet all of this stuff about kind of like you know the value of it but also the kind of the lived experience the way someone might use it the struggles that they might face actually like putting it into practice mm-hmm. yeah well so one, one thing I'm getting from from this example and and from the way that you're talking about about music and stories is like <clears throat> it seems to me like the kinds of stories that music tells are a little bit more abstract um than the type of story we'd think of in like a novel or a movie um I, I'm curious just to, to hear your thoughts about like, um, you know, what what's the value of this kind of storytelling that music can do where it is a little more abstract? It's not about literal characters or people. What's the value for you of, of that kind of musical storytelling? I think one of the power powers that music has in this way is that the listener can have a little bit more agency in making it as broad as they want it to be. Mm. Um, the really exciting thing about music is that it, um, there you're, you're coming at as an audience member, when I come to a piece of uh, music, I'm not having the specific story that a composer might be wanting to tell me. I'm broadening it to whatever kind of story um, I feel in that moment. Yeah. And so I just, cause you said like, it's as, as broad as the listener wants it to be. So I, am I right in thinking that means like, you know, one listener might be like, oh, I think this is about, um, you know, passion. And then another person is like, I think this is about my cousin. And both of those would be different levels of like abstract or specific, but that's up to the listener. Yeah. But that's also interesting for me to hear from you as a composer that like, you know, you were saying you really think about composition in terms of these stories, but that 
you're also sort of, it sounds like happy for listeners to recognize some of those same features, but to kind of take them in a new direction, you know, uh, or to kind of hear a different story that's like more specific to them, but that is still inspired by that music that you composed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, it's a two way street, um, but it's, and it's directioned in some ways, but it shouldn't feel like my goal is not to like kind of impart, right. A story. I, I would like to kind of like tell a story and to have the, the other end of it be about, you know, taking it in. And if it's not exactly the same thing that I wanted, then that's fine. As long as it gets a good a response of some sort. Mm. Well, Randall Ang, thank you very much. My pleasure. I'm really happy to talk to you. That's it for this episode. For links to books mentioned in our discussion, plus further reading, visit our website, howtoreadpodcast.com. You can also listen to two bonus clips, one in which Randall describes how he experiences his own life as a series of short stories, and another in which he explains how he relates to an opera about the life of Malcolm X. To hear about our latest episodes and news, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at howtoreadnow. This episode was produced by me, Milan Talunen, and by me, Olivia Branscom. With editorial assistance from me, Eleanor Roth Hessen. From me, Monsi Garnani. And from me, Abby Rooney. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Special thanks to Columbia University for its support, and thank you for listening.